All right, welcome back on this beautiful Sunday morning. Uh, we're going to be back in the book of Judges this morning, continuing with our study on Christianity 101, learning how to walk with God. We're going to pick up in Judges chapter 9. <clears throat> Part of what we're going to talk about this morning, though, is, is uh, from Judges chapter 8. We're going to go back through some of the things that Gideon did at the end of chapter 8. So last week, Gideon gathered all of the gold uh, from the soldiers of Midian and cast a golden ephod. And Israel immediately sought it and began to worship it, uh, leaving the God who had just delivered them from the hand of their enemy uh, for false gods. Gideon lived for 40 years, and after his great defeat of Midian, but didn't really do... There, there, there's not a whole lot recorded of that time. Um, just simply that he had uh, 70 sons and uh, we got introduced to Abimelech, one of his sons from his concubine in Shechem. And I think that's significant. And we've seen so much of Gideon's story in so much detail, yet the last 40 years just disappears. <clears throat> so as we get into this morning, uh, we're going to look back at what we do know of Gideon and then see how it ties in for what is what is coming. But uh, the last part of chapter 8, Israel immediately ran back to Baal Beareth uh, after Gideon was, was dead. And um, it's very sad to see how quickly they returned. But we're going to start in Judges chapter 9 and verse number 1. <clears throat> the Bible says, And Abimelech, the son of Jerubbabel, went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren and communed with them, and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying, Speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether is better for you, either that all the sons of Jerubbabel, which are threescore and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. And his mother's brethren spake of him in the ears of all the men of Shechem all these words, and their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, He is our brother. And they gave him threescore and ten pieces of silver out of the house of baal Beareth, wherewith Abimelech hired vain and light persons which followed him. And he went <clears throat> unto his father's house in Ophrah and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubal, being threescore and ten persons upon the stone, Notwithstanding, yet Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbabel, was left, for he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together and all the house of Milo, and went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we love you. We thank you again for this glorious day. Lord, we thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that you've preserved it for us for all these years. God, I pray today that we would... Uh, adhere to that first principle of Baptist, that the Bible is our sole authority. I pray, Lord, that we would put aside any other uh, evidence that gives weight to what uh, affects our lives, and we would just focus on what the Word of God has to say today. Lord, that we would see your truth, and it would change our lives, that we would truly make it our sole authority. So God, please guide us and direct us today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now this Chapter 9 uh, comes at a great time for us, time of year for us, as we are right in the middle of harvest. Uh, for the last year, the farmers have uh, 
well, the last several months from spring on, they went through and they, they prepared the ground and they, they added, they tested and found out what nutrients were missing and they added them in and, and they planted their crops and they, they, they sowed, sowed just a few seeds in the hopes that it would bring a great yield. <clears throat> and from the looks of some of the, the uh, co-ops around, um, the yield has been very good this year. Uh, and, I mean, the pile over there at Collins, the, the pile on the ground, it got that high in a week. It's, uh, they've brought in a lot of corn. But this all brings us to where we are today and the fact, the, the, the principle of sowing and reaping. We understand throughout God's Word that God often uses harvest time and, and planting to give us principles of how we are to act, how we are to, to walk with Him. But here we see it almost immediately as we've looked through Gideon's life and we've seen the seeds that he's sown throughout his life. Um, and, and now we're going to begin to see the reaping that's going to come for Israel because of all of this. So as we get into chapter 9, again, we're going to take a look back. We're going to look back at uh, chapter 8, and we're going to see Gideon sowing after his lust. <clears throat> now, the majority of chapter 6, 7, and 8 is Gideon's growth with God. He, he uh, comes to know the Lord. God meets him face to face and speaks to him, and he places his faith and trust in him, and, and he makes steps throughout. But at the end, as he's the battle is won, as the, the pressure is off, the, the, they are free, he immediately goes back to not focusing on God. And, and he began to desire those golden earrings. He lusted after them. And while I believe that Gideon was really, he wasn't trying to get rich, and I... I I really think he was in his own way trying to bring honor and glory to God. It was it became a snare for him. And we learned that in chapter 8. We learned that that it would catch Gideon and his family. But his desire led him to all of this. We I started to look back at the word desire and we find that word first used <clears throat> excuse me in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6. Genesis 3 and verse 6, we all know Genesis chapter 3. If we've studied our Bible for very long, this is where Eve is looking at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. Her desire led to her taking of the fruit and eating of it and giving it to her husband and led to the fall of the world, to, to sin entering the world. Her sight became desire. Her desire became lust and her lust became action. This is much the same as with Israel right now. Gideon saw the gold and desired it. His desire became action, and his action created more action. It, it continued on. As he created the ephod, Israel saw the ephod, and they desired it, and then they began to worship it. And it, it's just over and over. It's that cycle. 
And this is why it is so important for us to just, we have to focus on the Word of God. I, I think I'll talk about this a little bit later to, uh, tonight, but <clears throat> I've uh, been, I get a, a text message on my phone every Sunday morning uh, as it ends, starts the week, ends the last week. And it tells me um, how much time I've spent on my phone throughout that week. It tells me, if I go into the, the app that monitors all that, it tells me how much time I spent on each different app, what I was doing, if I was talking on the phone, if I was texting, if I was looking at social media, if I was playing games, it tells me everything that I was doing. And then it gives me little bits of praise or, or says, hey, good job, you're, you know, you're down 27%. Or, oh, you're up you know, 30% from last week. Unfortunately, the number that it gives me per day of how long I've spent on my phone is not measured in seconds or minutes. It's measured in hours. And this morning's text was, you know, you're down 27% from last week for an average of almost four hours a day. That hurts. I'm, I'm allowing other things to get in the way of what I need to be doing. I'm focusing on other things rather than focusing on the truth of God. And this is, this is exactly where Gideon is. Gideon is sowing after his lust. He's gathering the earrings. He's allowing his desires to overtake what God has told him. And in Gideon's case, what God has told him face to face. Not what's written down, not what's been passed down by others, but what God has told him face to face Gideon is throwing away because his desire and his lust went after, got the better of him. Not only did he sow in his lust with his golden earrings, but with his sons. If Gideon knew anything about the history of Israel, he knew that God had promised to make a great nation of Abraham. <clears throat> God had promised Abraham that he would make, he would multiply Abraham's seed to be uh, like the stars of the sky in number, like the sands of the sea in number, that they wouldn't be able to be numbered. And I believe Israel took this as it was passed on from Abraham. The same promise was given to Isaac. The same promise was given to Jacob. And I believe as, as Israel grew, they began to take this as this is what God wants. God wants us to have as many children as possible. I'm sorry, I'm dancing. God wants us to have as many children as possible so that he can bless us. And we see this with like in 1 Samuel where Hannah is weeping and in and, and, and sorrow of heart at the temple praying to God because he, she's been barren. Because her husband has not been able to give her, she's not been able to give her husband a son. And this was, this was a stigma for women and for men in Israel, that if they could not have children, they, they were seen as less. But they mistook what God had promised. God wasn't promising that exactly Abraham's seed would be such a great multitude. Now they are. At this point, I mean, when they came out of Egypt, there were well over a million at this point now. In our history, although many have been killed in the last couple of weeks, uh, Israel is is a large group that can trace their heritage back directly to Abraham. But God was speaking prophetically of Christ 
coming and, and us being brought into the family of God through Christ. But because of this, Israel focused so much on we have to have all these children that they often took multiple wives and they took concubines. and They did all the things that the heathen were doing around them so that they could fulfill what they thought God wanted. Just like as God had promised Abraham, I will give you a seed, and Sarah got impatient and, and gave uh, her handmaid, uh, Hagar, so that Ishmael was born. Ishmael and Isaac are still fighting today. Literally, today, they're throwing rockets at each other. Because Sarah understood God had made a promise, but looked outside of God's promise to fulfill that promise. Gideon has 70 sons. He has spent the last 40 years having, creating two sons a year, roughly. Now, we don't know exactly how old these men are. It could have been in, all done in 20 years. It, we don't know. But all of this just goes to add to Gideon's desire to show where his focus is. For the last 40 years, he's done his, God has been silent in his life. He's been focused on serving his own desire and his own lust. Gideon was sowing in his lust, and now Gideon and Israel are sowing in idolatry. Gideon created the ephod and, and placed it in Orpha in his home, and this sent Israel back onto that very short path of, to idolatry. Rather than spending 40 years clearing out the idols that Israel was bowing down to, he spent the last 40 years of his life enabling them. Now, you might be wondering exactly how did he enable them when he didn't do anything except create this ephod, which I do believe he was trying to give God honor and glory. Well, as we've talked about this in the past, in the past couple of weeks, Israel, Gideon, Gisrael, Gideon chose to be inactive. He chose to retire. Instead of ruling and, and judging Israel as he should, as all as the other judges have when they were when they've been given the victory, then they judged Israel and they made sure Israel stayed on the right path. Gideon chose to retire. And by not his inaction, it allows action. From the simplest example of not correcting wrong behavior in your children. If, even as a, a baby, and I think Josiah was the worst with this, he would just randomly scream for no reason. Just because he wanted to scream. And it drove me insane. So I found little ways of correcting that behavior. And very soon he figured out that that wasn't a good idea. But if I had let that continue, I would now have a 13-year-old son that I couldn't tell no. I would have a 13-year-old son like the young man that I grew up with that took an 18-inch lead pipe and tried to go after his dad because his dad told him he couldn't have the keys to the car. 
inaction enables action. But this goes beyond our children. It could be something as simple as not standing up at work uh, when that lost co-worker is using the Lord's name in vain or swearing like the sailor. We must all choose in our own lives what we are going to allow and what we aren't. And we've been looking through that as we've gone through, we're going through Lesson 17 on Wednesday nights, looking at separation and how we are supposed to interact with this lost world. One of the big ways that we are supposed to separate is by what we allow to happen around us. But we have to decide where that line is going to be drawn in the sand. But no matter what our decision absolutely, or no matter what our decision is, we must absolutely understand that we will answer to God for all of that one day. Gideon, when he passed from this earth, answered to God for what he allowed over the last 40 years. Unfortunately, Gideon's family answered to Abimelech for what he had allowed over the last 40 years. Israel's choice here as well is the last two verses of chapter 8 tell us that Israel made that choice. Not only did they go after the ephod, but it very quickly transferred to serving Baal-beeroth. Baal-beeroth, the word Baal is Lord or God, and Beeroth is of the covenant. They forgot the Lord who had just delivered them from Midian, and they went to serve a little g-god who they think is going to bless them in their covenant. They forgot Gideon, who was supposed to show them the Lord, and instead served his son who destroyed them. As we were driving to work this week, um, we've been listening, we listen on the way to work uh, through the Bible. And I think we've been in, was it Ezekiel this week? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was talking on several of the trips in, that was, Ezekiel was giving his description of the creatures, the angels that God had sent them <clears throat> with forehead or four faces one the face of a man one side's the face of a lion the other side's uh the face of an eagle and i can't remember what the the fourth one is it really doesn't matter the point is if this is what what ezekiel saw if these were the angels that god sent to deal with ezekiel when you look back in history and you look at the depictions of all the false gods of rome and greece and egypt they all have these common characteristics. They're all mixed with human form and animal form. That's because they were all fallen angels that, that came to man and convinced man that they were gods, that they had sway over what happened in the world. Now, this might all seem like minimal stuff. These are not, Gideon making the ephod is not sowing great seeds of evil. Yet he's going to reap a huge harvest of evil. In his sons, 
Gideon's lust gave him 70 sons, and Abimelech's lust combined with his idolatry took them away. Abimelech went to the men of Shechem and and appealed to their pride, and they chose to make him their king in verse number 6. Because he was one man and he was from the same town, they didn't want 70 people to tell them what to do. They thought they'd be better off with just one. They would have been better off with one, with God. But instead they chose the wrong person. The men of he- of Shechem went to the house of Baal-Beeroth and brought out 70 pieces of silver to give to Abimelech. Three score and ten. One piece for each of his brothers. This is the second time in just a few verses that Baal-Beeroth is mentioned. And it's not by chance that this money that funded Abimelech came from him. Abimelech used this money to hire vain and light persons to follow him. Now, I'm just going to tell you right now, if you have to pay people to follow you, you're probably not a good leader. I mean, Brother Grant, you were in the military. Did your did your leadership... Obviously, they paid you a wage for being there, but did, did your direct supervisors pay you to do what they told you to do? No, they just no. ordered me. Yeah, and I would imagine there are probably a few of them that weren't necessarily considered great leaders. Definitely. <laughs> but imagine... Abimelech is paying these men. The only reason they're doing what he wants them to do is because he's paying them. These men are described as vain and light persons. Vanity is emptiness. And in this context, that light persons is that they were short, not in height, but in character. Abby is going to work at Dollar General and she's been learning about the till the money that's taken in each day and uh, sometimes the till comes in a little light because some of it's been removed it's missing something these men were missing moral character they were empty of it this symptom is often present in those that only care about the money They often are not at all concerned about whether their actions are moral, righteous, or even legal. In modern terms, the men that Abimelech would have hired would be called mercenaries, soldiers for hire. They don't care what side they're on as long as they're getting paid as much as possible. These men followed Abimelech simply because they were paid to do so. They did whatever he wanted because he paid them to. And this included killing his brothers. The 70 sons of Gideon were killed in Orpha, thus eliminating the chance that any of them would judge Israel. But it also eliminated the chance that any of them would contradict Abimelech. Again, we see that Gideon's love of the ways of the world have transferred to his son in a much greater scale. But even in this reaping, there is sowing. Unlike now, where the harvest, the farmers are just taking in the harvest, in our spiritual life, reaping and sowing continues. It often happens at the same time. 
we may be in trouble in a storm. We've in a storm of our own making, and we're we're reaping the sorrows of what we've already the decisions we've already made, but we're also sowing the seeds for the next generations. Gideon's house is reaping the evil that had been sown, but it's also sowing the seeds that will soon be reaped. And we're going to see that as Jotham is going to come back into the, the picture and he's going to prophesy against Israel. and We're going to see Abimelech's end and it's not pretty. But like today the modern farmer, we need to understand that even if few seeds are sown, many are gathered. The Bible puts it that some are gathered, some produce 30-fold, some 60, and some 100-fold. This is why we say that what we do in moderation, our children will do in excess. But unfortunately, it's often the wicked seeds that have the greatest yield. The godly seeds, I mean, Gideon walked with God for a time with great faith. Going down and fighting against Midian and and, uh, taking his 300 men against a massive 135,000 man army. But those seeds aren't the one that took root. It was the, the evil, the wicked seeds that took root. This is why it's so vital that we are sowing the best seed possible at all times. These farmers last spring went out and bought the best seed that they could. They prepared the ground the best that they could to get the highest harvest. We're no different. We need to be consistently sowing godly seeds in everything that we do so that those few seeds that are wicked don't take root. Next week we'll see more on reaping and sowing from Israel and Abimelech. The end of an already bloody reign has little hope of being anything but evil. And if you know the story, it's rough. Israel goes through another war, but this time it's with themselves. What are we sowing today? I mean, today we're here in church. We're sitting and listening to the word of God. Our children are seeing us sow those good seeds today. But what about tomorrow? What about the rest of the week? What are we sowing today?